Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston sits down for a conversation with a couple of Heartlight's teens. For the past two decades, Heartlight has become the country's premier residential counseling center and boarding school for struggling teens. Founded in 1998 by Mark Gregston and his wife Jan, Heartlight is a program that not only modifies behavior, but one that seeks to offer a unique transformative journey through a relational experience that offers counseling, small group therapy, academics, and activities. We hope you find encouragement as you listen to these stories today. Sophia, I look at you, and, and uh, of course, I love your voice. I think I've told you that since the day you got here, that I just love the voice, and, and it's you would be an unbelievable comedian. And uh, I mean, people would pay big money to come listen to you, and, and you could talk about anything, and it's, and it's funny. Am I right? Well, I think so. Okay. okay. <laughs> you tell me that all the time. I know, I know, but I love it though. But, you know, there's been times that everything wasn't so funny in your life. Tell me what was going on and what got you to Heartlight. What was that about? Well, I went to a wilderness program before this. So, like, what sent me there was really just a lot, like a huge range of things mm. that go as far as like trouble with my parents like I had no relationship with them whatsoever like they didn't even know me like they knew nothing about my life they didn't know any of my friends they didn't know what I was doing and scale of one to ten what would you guys be like a two really really okay so pretty bad it was bad and like they like I ran away in December from my house and after that they tried to like give me a lot of leniency and like Mm. try to be easy on me because they thought maybe that was the reason why I ran away and it just I like flew off the handle and like I was way out of control and just like really just every night like my parents didn't know like where I was going like if I said I was going out with like friends like I would never go where I said I was going Um, I had a lot of issue with like guys and I had like, I was in a really like bad, like abusive relationship Mm. with a guy and physically, emotionally, sexually, what really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they knew really how bad it was until like spring break of last year. Um, I just like kept like putting myself in situations where I like could get like seriously hurt Mm. and then like the police found me one night and like called my mom and my mom was by herself at home because my dad was on a vacation with my brother and then I guess my parents decided like something was really wrong and like they knew they had to send me away like right then yeah but there were like no openings here so they sent me to wilderness first, and then, like, I came here after that. Yeah, so how long were you at a wilderness camp? I was there for three months. Yeah. yeah. Was that good for you? You think it was good for you? Oh, yeah. 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 Whenever I left, I was definitely thought, like, I was really entitled mm. to, like, things. And, like, I just took for granted, like, 
everything that my parents had done for me and like going there like made me realize like even the smallest things like spending Easter with your family like that's like a privilege and it was just like it was good I couldn't see it then I was just angry at my parents for sending me there and then sending me here after but like now I definitely see like it was for the best okay so when did things begin to change for you when did you see that things started clicking a little bit different. I mean, because you were moving in a direction that was kind of crazy and you're moving away from everybody. When did things start to change? Um, It was actually pretty recent. Like, mm. after I came back from Christmas break, like, like this Christmas break here at Heartlight, I didn't, like, I didn't have a bad break, but it wasn't, like, the best. Yeah. And, like, I still felt, like, weird around my family and, like, mm. I noticed, like, they felt like they had to walk on eggshells around me. And so, like, I guess after break, like, I really just started to ask myself, like, like, why is it that, like, I'm, like, why is it this way? Like, what's going on? Like, what am I doing wrong? Because, like, I thought, like, oh, for sure, like, after being at Heartlight for, like, five or six months, like, yeah, I should yeah, have it yeah, together. Yeah. And I realized, like, that wasn't the case and I guess I just realized, like, I wasn't happy. Yeah. Like, I woke up every morning and, like, everything I did was just kind of, like, robotic. And, yeah. like, finally, like, I was telling my parents, like, I was so sick of being, like, unhappy and I couldn't figure out why. And then finally I realized, like, it's as simple as, like, you just have to wake up and, like, choose that you're going to be happy. Yeah. And, like, I wasn't doing that. Like, every morning I was waking up being like, oh, this is the worst. Like, I'm just going to go through the motions, and, like, hopefully I'll make it out of here. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, so it begins to change, but when you said, when you started to realize why I'm like that, why were you like that? Why was it so negative? What caused it to be so negative? Um, Like, the main thing for me was just, like, I realized that, like, I was, like, trying so hard to, like, I guess, like, I was trying too hard to be, like, perfect around my parents and, like, not say anything bad because I wanted to get out of here. Mm. And then I realized, like, that never works. Like, you're going to make mistakes. And, like, I guess the reason, like, why I was probably so unhappy was just because, like, I had never, like, really dealt with my issues. I had just kind of shoved them under the rug. and Issues like Like, like I mean, like, drug abuse, like, mm. being in, like, destructive relationships, like, just, like, a bunch of different things, like, a huge range of different wow. things. Wow. And, like, my family, whenever I was home, we never, like, dealt with anything. We just kind of swept it under the rug. Don't you think most people do that in one sense, though, where they, you know, they try to control the behavior, which is kind of normal, as opposed to dealing with the hard issue? They just want you to stop doing something. You know, it's kind of like make good grades, which is a great intent by a mom and dad. But if you have a learning disability... Nobody ever attacks that, you know, and and so I, I think that's a common, I think there's a real commonness among parents, and I guarantee you, you'll do the same. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that sometimes you forget that you got to look behind the behavior because there's something else going on. Yeah, I would definitely say, like, 
I think a lot of the times, like, parents try so hard to, like, keep their kids out of trouble or keep their kids from, like, doing stuff that's Mm. bad because they just want the best for them. But a lot of the times, whenever their kids get in trouble, they're just like, okay, like, we're going to punish you, we're going to ground you, or, like, this or that. But they never really look to see, like, what's behind the issue. Yeah. Like, they never ask themselves, like, why would they do that? Because, like, most kids don't just wake up one day and decide that... I'm going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's always something, like, behind it. Yeah. There's always a reason. Like, they're either hurt or, like, something's happened to them or, like, something like that. Yeah. So, and you and your parents just weren't connecting on that level at all. Do you think if they would have connected on that level that things would be different? Um, well, like now we have a great relationship and like, they don't feel like they have to walk on eggshells around me. And like, I don't feel that way about them, but it was definitely like, now that we do have that connection, it's so much easier. But back Mm. then, like when we didn't, it was like, everything was difficult. Like even the smallest things, because like we both couldn't have that connection. And I definitely think like, if we were to make that connection while we were at home, like, yeah, things would have been, like, a little bit better. But, like, I had so much, like, stuff that I had to deal with yeah. because, like, I started, like, I can remember back to, like, seventh grade was the first time that I ever, like, smoked pot. Yeah. And, like, all, like, a lot of things happen, like, way early for me. So it was like I had so much to deal with. Like I definitely needed to get away to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. But like if my parents would have had that connection with me like a little bit earlier, like maybe it would have helped. But yeah, it probably yeah. would have not done that much without like coming here. Yeah, without some other help yeah. coming in somewhere. Well, cool. Hey, you you've told told us about 20 lessons while you're talking, you know, which has been wonderful. Uh, Just you sharing your story. I'm sitting here as a parent going, I think a lot of people can pick up stuff from what you're commenting on. And so thanks for being a part of the program. You're welcome. Don't ever change your voice. I can't wait till you're on stage and I'll be sitting in the back going, Sophia, remember (laughs) me, remember me. (laughs) Thanks. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming in and doing this. You're welcome. You bet. Nobody cares more about their teen than moms. But even moms can get discouraged and distracted when watching their teen go through those difficult adolescent years. You can feel alone and helpless, unable to know how to encourage your teen. It can get hard to trust God's goodness in the midst of such hard times. Mark Gregston knows the feeling. That's why he wrote Prayers for My Teen. It's a book of prayers and devotionals to help moms keep their eyes on God and their hearts uplifted, even when your teen is struggling. Prayers for My Teen is a great addition to your purse, bedside, glove compartment, or desk drawer as a simple way of reminding you of God's faithfulness to you and love for your family. Get your copy of Prayers for My Teen at ParentingTeenResources.org. Well, thanks for being a part of the program. Tell me a little bit, I mean, you live in Virginia, 
and you end up moving to East Texas yeah. to live at Heartlight. What got you to Heartlight? I went to Wilderness before this, Wilderness Therapy for five months. So this wow. my parents got for an aftercare before I could go home. Yeah. Okay. And, and Rachel, that's, you know, tell me about Wilderness for just a minute for all those people listening that are going, what in the world? What do you mean Wilderness? Well, pretty much on July 22nd, 2015, I was dropped off in St. George, Utah at Star Guides Wilderness. Yeah. And basically, um, when I was dropped off, I had no idea where I was, what I was going to be doing. And the point of you going there was what? To help me heal, to help me realize how important I am and how I don't need a guy or drugs or alcohol or anything to make me believe I'm good or to make yeah. me whole. You think it just got your attention a little bit? I think it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah, I don't I don't want to take away from that, but I mean, it gets your attention from what you have been doing to go, wait a minute, I got to quit doing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you spend five months there. Mm-hmm. Your life gets changed. So you come to Heartlight. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening when you come to Heartlight? Um, it's a little bit different than wilderness. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, basically when I came here, I was, I knew I was coming here. Yeah. Um, I came in thinking, you know, I already know what I need to work on. I don't like really need to work on anything else. Yeah. And then after a month of being here, I was like, hold up. Like Mm. I'm learning so much. So by then I was done hearing people and more focus on listening, like truly listening and really wow. getting where they are coming from to try to make a better life for myself. So you think there's a difference between hearing and listening? Yes. Like what? Hearing is like what? Hearing is where like, let's say someone's like, oh, you need to stop drinking. Then you can be hear them and be like, yeah, that's what they say. Like, mm. yeah, okay. And then really listening to what they have to say is like, yeah, maybe there's some truth behind that. Maybe wow. they're trying wow. to help. Yeah, maybe the difference between just information and wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, where you start to go, okay, this is this has got to be a life-changing deal. Yeah. Okay, so what got you sent away from home? What was spinning out of control that you had to be sent off somewhere? Um, basically, when I was 11, I started getting into alcohol, and by 12, I was hooked. Every- and so here you are in middle school. Yes. Yeah, so where were you the first time that you drank? I was at my friend Elisa's house, and her older brother came in with um, some alcohol and I tried some. And how old was he? He was, I think, a year and a half older than me. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so he had Because if some. he was like 19 or 20, you yeah. know, what's some weirdo coming in <laughs> giving, you know, exactly. an 11-year-old alcohol? Uh-huh. And then that was the first time I ever had a little bit yeah. when I wasn't supposed to. And then at middle school where I was going, it wasn't that hard to get it. Right. Kids would sneak it in with sodas and stuff. Wow. So basically, wow. i just have some. And then I'd bring some home, stash it in my room. Wow. And then when I was 14, I met a guy named Steven. He went to my church. Seemed like a really nice guy. And he was. And then three months into dating, um, he started to hit me. He started to tell me, hmm. basically control my life. And was really just downright abusive, threatened me, my family, yeah, yeah, yeah. really bad. And so after that, I started developing a drug problem. Basically, anything I could get my hands on. Mostly it was weed because... Yeah. It was do you just, think just to deal with that stuff that was going on, or do you think that you've always had that, you know, internal drive inside of you to like alcohol and want drugs and smoke pot? You know, is that? I think when I was younger, 
at least my parents say, I was always a person who would like to live on the edge. Yeah. Who would yeah. push rules. So um, I think there's a, there was a drive for me since mm. I was younger to like do what I have to do to get accepted, what I right, thought was acceptance. Right. So, um, and the kickoff was for that was when I started middle school. Yeah. Yeah. And just as I grew up, um, basically what got me to wilderness, which my parents said, you know what, this has to stop, is when they went through my phone and they saw my social life. They looked through all this social media they didn't know I had, I wasn't yeah, supposed to have. Yeah. And they saw me talking to guys. And how old were you? I was 16. Yep. Really, my mom started suspecting stuff when mm. she would just read text messages from my friends when I was asleep. She would take my phone and be like, wait, this doesn't make sense because I deleted some yeah, conversations. Yeah, yeah. So they sent me to wilderness when my dad found me having had sexual relationships with boys and adults, like 20-year-old men. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they went through my phone and... Basically, when I was in wilderness, they realized I had a bigger issue. They realized, fully realizing that I needed help, that this wilderness saved my life, that I had a drug issue, an alcohol issue. They went through my room, found a lot of stuff, which my mom, I'm pretty sure it still haunts her to find. And basically, what we came to grips with is that my need to feel accepted or need to feel wanted, which I don't know how I got to that point. Mm. But my need for that just drove me to really do anything. Do you think some of the drug stuff was just to feel wanted by a group of people? Yes. I, th- I mean, first, and, and the sexual relationship, that's surely mm-hmm. a, a major motivation, isn't mm-hmm. it? Just to feel loved by somebody? I mean... Like sexual, definitely. Yeah. The drugs and alcohol, it started more as a social thing. Yeah. But then it grew into where I need this. I yeah, felt yeah, like I yeah. needed it. Just addictive. Yeah. And so I remember one day I went to school without doing anything beforehand. And by half the day, I was calling my mom. I'm like, I can't. So I had to go home and got high and wow. drank. And that moment I knew like it was controlling me. Yeah. So was it a relief when you started to realize, okay, this is a problem. I mean, it, it changes the nature of where you are when you realize why you're there, why you're really there. Did you fight it at first, you know, being sent away from home and then finally accepted it? Um, when I went to wilderness, I will admit, especially when I was in the car, I'll never forget this, when I was in the car, they told me, you're going, we think you need help. Yeah. Um, I was so mad. Yeah. I was furious. I told my parents I didn't love them. I told them that yeah. I would never forgive them. Yeah. And it took me a good three months in wilderness before I was like, you know, this isn't a bad thing. To turn it around. Yeah. yeah. Because at first I'm like, I knew I had an issue, but I didn't know if I wanted to change it. I didn't know. I'm yeah. like, hey, this is fun. Like, this is easy. Stuff is just coming easy to me. Yeah. Okay, so you got, you, you got hundreds of thousands of people listening to you right now. What would you tell other parents? What could your parents have done different that would have prevented, you know, you from getting into the position? Could they have done anything? Um, to some extent, no, because mm. to some extent they they like going to school, they couldn't control what I did at school. They couldn't really like monitor me twenty four seven. But yeah. I guess like stay in touch, like with your kids, like really try to understand, especially with social stuff now, because at school, like, a lot of times, like, my parents would think, oh, she's fine, she's at a good school. 
when really I was miserable and I felt like they would not listen to me. So I guess like even if if your kid's like talking about, hey, I'm going to go to this party and like you know it's going to be bad, like of course like be hesitant, but like at the same time really Mm. try to understand your kid and really stay in touch. Like if you think there's an issue, if you think that something's going on, don't just – let it fly under the radar. If you ask them like, hey, what's up? And they say nothing. Like really ask them and really try to develop a good relationship with them. Yeah. Where did you and your parents get disconnected? Where, when did that begin to happen? Um, My mom and I, we were pretty good connected when I was younger. My dad mm. and I, we grew up, Um, I played competitive basketball and yeah. he pushed me really hard. And I never really had a relationship with him. I always saw him as someone who try to live his life through me. Mm. And so probably it was around sixth grade when I started getting into trouble at first with phone and guys where there started to become a huge disconnect. And then as I grew up, it just became a bigger wedge further and further till there was nothing to. Yeah, but sixth grade's like 12 years old. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. a, that's a four year span, Mm -hmm. you know, to now. I mean, is it getting better now? Oh yeah. It's, become a lot better. And why has that? I mean, he it's because you're not living together or is it because no. that that he's changing his ways or you're changing your ways? It's a mixture of both. Mm. Really, our relationships start to improve when I'm like, you know, I do have issues. And then when I tried to see things from their point of view, being like, you know, some of the stuff, they didn't know I was going to get bullied or they didn't know this yeah, was going to happen. Yeah. And really when we both came to an understanding that each of us have our own valid opinions, and really, we both started trying to, I guess, like connect with the other. Yeah. Being like, yeah, this is what drove a wedge between us. What can we do to change that? And like, part of it was great. So my parents have, I've never been a straight A student. Yeah, yeah. And so I tried my best and all I could get were B's and C's. And my parents said, that's okay, as long as you do your best. Wow. And that was them trying. So I think it's been them and I changing. Good. Good. Well, you know what? Academically, just hang around me, and I make everybody else look better academically. (laughs) (laughs) I was one of those guys that didn't do well in high school. Hey, thanks for being a part of the program. Oh, no problem. Thanks for sharing your story. It's kind of cool to hear what's going on in your life, and Mm -hmm. and, uh, you're doing well. You're doing really well. That's cool. I believe that if it hadn't been for here, I would Mm -hmm. definitely be nowhere good, and definitely if my parents hadn't have helped me. I don't know. They even say they don't know if I'd be alive today. Wow. Good place to end on. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.